Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, D-dubs, got it. Okay, so TP, Pado, Tom. Welcome to Don't Mock My Accent, the show where we work through our lives as expats and everything in between, one day at a time. This podcast is designed by expats for expats. Our goal is to build a community for people living away from their home country, a place they can come to for advice, support, and above all else, a home away from home. A lot of laughs and shenanigans to be expected. In this episode, we have our very first guest. We are talking to Lauren's brother, Tom, about why he decided to move to the UK, freelancing on a visa, his transition back to Australia, and why the word data gets so much attention. All right, so this week we have our first guest on the podcast. Anna, how exciting is this? I'm I'm so excited. Honestly, it's an honour. I feel like we've got a VIP in the room. I mean, don't call him that. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) He's on the call right now, Lauren. I know. Don't insult our first guest like this. I know, but I'm allowed to, and that's because this week we have Thomas Patterson, a.k.a. my brother. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Hello, Lauren Anna. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for um, letting us convince you to do this as our first guest. Yeah, well, we're going to we'll set the bar high for <laughs> your future podcast. I think so, and I think we got the time zones right as well. Luckily, we didn't have to get up at 6 a.m., so that's yeah. nice. All right, so we obviously, we're just going to ask you an array of questions, Tom, as you've cool. like already seen, but um, it, we just thought it would be good to get you on and just get another perspective on, I guess, why you moved, um, your experiences of, as an expat and why you moved overseas and I guess everything that came with it, because um, obviously our listeners have heard so much about our story and why we moved, so we thought it would be good to get a different perspective. <laughs> Listen to someone else's voice other than yeah, give, ours. Give, give, give your listeners a break, I suppose. Yeah. You, rambling. <laughs> rambling and laughing and thinking that we're hilarious. <laughs> okay. All right. So I guess to start us off, Tom, tell us a bit about why you moved over to the UK and I guess your journey in coming to the UK, because obviously it is a big move for everyone. So just tell us about like your motives. Like why, why did you come? Why did you 
Better story. Give us yeah. a story. Yeah, I'll try and give you a shorter version. But like, I, I suppose I've been always had a bit of an affection with the UK my whole life. I always wanted to live here at some point. So there's always I've been I'd probably have been umming and ahhing about moving over for a couple of years before I actually did, I'd say. Um for a variety of reasons I didn't do it earlier. Um maybe career and just maybe not mature enough to do it or it's in a good spot where you were. It's like hard to leave a place where you're happy sort of thing. Um yeah and then anyway I uh, bit the bullet in twenty eighteen I moved over um on a two-year what they call it youth mobility visas um so yeah i work in the marketing and advertising world um just a bit of context there um so i'd been working in in that industry for three or four years in brisbane before i'd moved over so the plan was to move over and see work london is one of the big cities of the world like new york london amsterdam the sort of the big three for marketing and advertising um and london was always Everyone, there's a lot of people in the industry who do the pilgrimage to London at some point, whether you know just for life experience, but also career experience as well. So I always wanted to do it. Made the decision to do that in 2018. Um, I did. So I left in May, I think it was, and I did two or three months of just traveling. I went to the, uh, the World Cup in Russia, and then I did about a month um, on my own in Seville, in Spain, uh, which was great. Um, loved it. And then I came. Eventually, made my way back and made my way to London. Um, and I was staying with a mate for a month or two in East London, which is cool. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an adjustment, I suppose, when you come from Brisbane, you go straight into East London. It's, um, oh, yeah. eclectic, it's an eclectic sort of place. And I, Brisbane's a very sleepy old place in, in a lot of good ways. And it kind of hits you that you're in a big city in the world when you're in East London. It's great. Um, really enjoyed it there. Um, I was there for two or three months, and then that's where I started to get my bearings for, this, for the city. Um, and then I started looking for work. I had a few contacts work-wise um, when I first moved over. Um, and I, I just met with a lot of people through those contacts. Um, so I spent, you know, I, I landed in August after I did my travels, and that's quite a shit month to look for a job in London because every, for those who don't know, in, in Europe, basically no one really works in August um, in the summer. Spain essentially no one's working most of the time, but definitely not in August. Mm. And France is the same, and the UK is the same. Everyone does a lot of traveling. Then it's very the employees aren't that they're not looking that for that. Um, but there's obviously not too many jobs going then. Um, so I, you know, I was looking. I met with a lot of people through that month. Um, and obviously it wasn't it was a bit slow, but it was cool. It was quite good because I, I I used it to sort of just get feel for the city, find a place where I want to live, like understand like the different. Um, you know, north and west and south London and work out where, where I want to live and where my friends were. Um, so I you know, based myself there. Um, so anyway, I just met with a lot of different people um, and then eventually landed like a first freelance gig. And it was, I just took that one because it was the first gig and earned some money after a few months off work. Um, so that was that was good. Um, and there was a few months, what was that, two or three months there. And then it fell into another freelance gig. And it sort of just kept rolling for the next two and a half years, just freelance gig after freelance gigs at different advertising agencies in London. Um, my intention was not to do freelancing the whole time when I first got there. Um, and what else? And then I, yeah, found a place down in South East London. I moved to, where did I move to? I moved to East Dulwich. Oh yeah, um, that's close near, to me. Yeah, it's a good spot. I really, it's yeah. near Peckham. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, really cool little 
pretty bougie actually um it's a weird <laughs> little like spot in a very eclectic place in london i think yeah. you know london is definitely typically a mixed wealth city and not a lot of people understand that when they move here so that was super interesting what you said about moving to east london to start because i moved to tooting which i would say is quite yeah. similar and it's a bit of like yeah. almost a bit of a culture shock like oh my god and then once you get into it you just love it don't you the school there is absolutely phenomenal it's like really? Hogwarts, dulwich college if you're ever around the area it's worth going past because it is beautiful the school it's we should so go for a walk there anna i actually think <laughs> i have a friend that went to that school yeah, it's, wor- it's worth it just going for a walk around the grounds. It's stunning. Um, yeah. But yeah, East Dulwich was incredible, really good area. Uh, I'd, if I went back to London, I think I'd probably look at living there or yeah, maybe back to the southwest. Um, yeah, so I spent, what, I spent about six months in East Dulwich and then I moved over to Put- Putney where I spent the remainder of my 18 months, whatever it was, in the UK. Um, and I loved it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great fun. It's such a brilliant city, London. Mm. I'm glad I did it and I do miss it. Yeah, I would like to add to like just your context as well, Anna. I would like to add to Thomas's story that I booked my flights and sorted my visa before he did, and the World Cup like tickets were coming out at the beginning of 2018, and he was trying to enter himself into the ballot to get like when Australia like played on. He was waiting for Australia to get through, and I had already booked. I was like getting ready to go to the UK, and then. Finally, Australia gets through and he's like waiting for tickets and waiting for tickets. And I was like, are you literally just deciding your move to the UK based on whether Australia make the World Cup and whether you can get tickets <laughs> to the World Cup in Russia? Yeah. And he it was, was like, not really. And I was literally just like, no, I'm pretty sure you are because you're basically saying you're not going to book your flight to the UK, but you're basically saying, no, if Australia gets, I'll do it. And that's what he no, did. No, I was, and then I was always going to go to the UK. I think it just dictated my timing of when I'd go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was and, going to be one of my only, questions. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I, I the, the World Cup was in June um, of 2018, so it worked out well. It was a good time. It's some, entering the summer. Of it sounds like Europe. the dream. And I also and then, think, like, it was super interesting what you said about not finding jobs in August because I also moved here in August. Yeah. And <laughs> I, yeah, I, luckily I had a job lined up, but um, the other side of that was finding accommodation because not only is it summertime but also all the grads have just graduated from university and they're all moving to London so not only you can't find jobs because of summer but also because all the grad roles have been taken you know all the companies are full up with new grads so it's really interesting that you say that and that might be something to like yeah speak about another podcast about like good timings to move to the UK because it was such a struggle oh my god yeah. Certainly something I never I, even thought about and never no one's ever mentioned it to me was the old August thing. Yeah. And it's until you I'm like, what is going on here? And then I started talking is when I was meeting with like lots of people throughout the months of August and July and into September. They're just like, Oh yeah, August and no one's here, you know. A lot of people take the two to three weeks and they've gone to Spain, they've gone to Air France, they've gone to Cornwall, wherever they're gone. Um, yeah, you know, God it makes sense. Um because yeah, if you go to it's it's even highlighted more in mainland Europe where they mm-hmm genuine like this, this shops just shut time. they they don't like, care do they in europe they, no. they don't even care like, they don't i'm out just like they're just like we'll see you in september we're done yeah <laughs> i wish that i wish it was like that in australia slash uk that'd be nice and then i do definitely think like once you hit september that is when you start and i'm sure that's probably why you even got into more freelancing because that's also when like i found like in pr in the industry so many people push to take their holidays in September because they're like crap the end of the year is approaching mm. and then mm. there's no one working in September because everyone's trying to take their time off and then their freelancers are coming left right and center 
So like I know yeah. at our agency, we're always just hiring freelancers in September and October because mm. it's just like prime time because everyone's like, crap, mm. <laughs> we have no employees yeah. anymore. Yeah, in September, everybody's trying to stretch out those last long days of summer, aren't they, before the, mm. the, the, the gloom and yeah, grim. Sad the side. I know. Um, I want to ask you more about your freelancing stuff because yeah. I've only like worked in marketing as an intern. It wasn't really for me. And I know you both are in PR, advertising, marketing industry. So I don't know as much about this. Can you elaborate more on what freelancing is in the UK? What exactly you were doing? Were you yeah. like, how do you go about getting a freelance job? Do you yeah. put yourself out there? Do you have a portfolio? Do you have an agency? Like, how does it work? Yeah, sure. No, it's, um, it's, uh, I was very blind coming over to it, um, coming into the UK. I'd not freelanced before. Um, and then obviously with freelancing, there's a few ways you can do it. Essentially what I did was you have to set yourself up as a company. So like a private company, if you want to start your own business cafe, anything like that. And I start. I set my own up, and then that you sort of you become like an operator of that company, and you and you're 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 a business. You 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 people employ you for a service, and then you charge them a day rate. So you agree a day rate, and they often advertise their day rate for whatever the role of the project might be. Um, so getting a job and applying applying for it's no different to how you do it like a normal full time work. You you can either go through recruiters or you can just um you know you your contacts in the industry or you might have used linkedin and you reach out to like hr departments and hr talent managers and things like that and just hit them up and go hey you know here's my cv i'm in london i'm this is my role um you know let me know if there's any projects around or you might have saw them they've posted one and you just hit them up and go hey here's my cv let me know if you want to chat or meet tomorrow and just be really i suppose on the front foot about it um so yes yeah, so, and i so yeah i suppose going back i set up a company and that was a bit tricky. I only did that because I had a friend who he doesn't work in marketing, but he works in construction. And a lot of construction industry in the UK they operate on day rates as well, and you know freelancing in, in a way. So everybody charges a day rate to work on the construction sites. And he gave me the heads up. He's like, "Oh, I I set myself up as a as a company over there, um, and then I and that's how I do it." As opposed to going through, there's a lot of like these umbrella companies who will who you can get to. You know, if you want to be a freelancer, and you can just go to them, and they'll use their um, like their company to build this your wherever you're employed at. So, if you, let's say you're employed, at, I was employed at an agency called AMV, and if I went to an umbrella company, I'd go through them, and then they would send the bill to AMV, and then they pay me, but they'd take a big wedge of money off that. So mm-hmm. you lose, you know, it wouldn't be worth the benefit of doing freelancers. You get more money in your pocket sort of immediately. Um, you obviously don't get free um, sick days and holidays and all that sort of thing. But why you have a higher day rate is because you know let, you know because you you don't you don't have all those sort of sick pays and you know there's benefits you get as a full time employer. Yeah, um, that's super interesting. And like, how did you go about setting up a company on the working mobility visa? Yeah, it's, it's, are you, you allowed to? to? <laughs> what, yeah. We can cut this out if you're not allowed to. But. <laughs> I am actually genuinely no I'm genuinely interested because it's like this sort of setting up a company thing is something that I've been interested in doing but I didn't know I could do it on this visa if you can yeah, don't I don't know no, you're certainly allowed I, I I was yeah I had the same question too before I started I had to double check what was allowed for the visa but you basically yes you can um you can it's a, you can do anything you want for the two years in the UK wow visa. um so yeah set yourself up a company I went to there's, there's lots of 
um, accountancies that, that focus on accountancy firms that focus on just like freelancers and mm. small contract workers. And so they're really cool. And I um, just found one. My mate gave me a recommendation. I took that and went, got a quote from them, put a bit higher than what I wanted. And then I found another one, a bit more reasonable. So I went to these guys and they said, yeah, we can do this. And I said, look, do you guys set up? And this is probably a lazier way, but it was definitely a cleaner and less, efficient. less hassle um, way to do it. I just said, can you guys set me up as a company? And they're like, yeah, we charge a fee. I think it was like 150 quid. And I, I knew I could probably done it myself. And I suppose somebody probably who, who would like to invest the time and <laughs> save himself 150 quid. You definitely could. It wouldn't be that tricky. But this way I knew it was all done well. Um, yeah. I paid the fee and got it done. And they, that was really quick. Like within a week, I'd set up. They sent me the paperwork. Um, they uh, said they needed a proof of residency. Um, so I suppose that's one thing for people they're going to do. It, you know, they need to have a permanent residence or yeah. some an address. They could. I didn't have. I didn't have a rental at the time, so I used um, a friend's place. Who's, who's like they have some more permanent um, residence in the UK. They're not going anywhere, so they, I, I used theirs. They weren't, didn't have a problem with that, which you can do. Which I think we've all done, let's be honest, when we're yeah. setting ourselves up in the when, UK. When you when you have to set up your Monzo, you, you oh, yeah, to, like, I, yeah. I put my Airbnb address when I first arrived. <laughs> I think literally like, and I think everyone who like does move to the UK does know that little trick of just like, you, you can't really apply for one thing without the other thing. And you, you like in order to do anything, you do have you need an address to start off. And you're just yeah. going to use yeah. a mates for a while. You've do it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So um, yeah, I just gave, make sure you have an address and... They'll just send you a few bits to sign and prove your identification and things like that and hook in your passport. And um, if you aren't set up with a bank already in the UK, it's normally okay as long as you have a bank card or a statement from, mm. you know, Australian bank. There's no problem there. Um, yeah. And then within a week, I was set up as a company and then I was good to go. The next step was, you know, setting up a business account, business bank account that attaches itself to that because then you have to do all your invoicing and, and sending or the yeah, all the money that goes into the company has to go through the company. Then you take your your share into your personal account. Um, so yeah, I found one of those. It's like a, kind of like a Monzo equivalent, I suppose. Um, one of those new online banks. There's, there's lots of them in, in the UK, particularly. Um, I just picked one of them. They're sort of an up and comer. They're very easy, like Monzo, to set up and get a card within. Is it Revolut? No, it was called. Oh. Um, it's actually called Anna. <laughs> get out. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I've heard of, no, I have heard of this because I, I remember seeing it, I think maybe on an ad and I was like, there's a bank called Anna. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like... And um, yeah, so there you go. It's called Anna. Um, yeah, it's what an good. ego boost for Anna. I'll make you guys rich. Don't worry. Yeah. Either rich or I'll take all your money. I mean, depends how you see a bank. <laughs> Get on board. They might sponsor the show. Oh uh, my God. Oh my so God. True. Let's do it, Anna. I hear me going, I was literally about to like, how sick are the Revolut cards when you pay the, the metal card? No. Through Revolut, let's go. Yeah, Anna on. Um, yeah, so I got, I got, got those guys on. I think it was just when they were starting as a company too. And you know, I just, it was coincidental. I think I saw them on a bus and I'm like, oh, these guys are sweet. That looks simple. So I just jumped online and looked. And, Good to know um, that advertising works. That's, yeah, that's the Aussie <laughs> way, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Every time in my life, that's advertising. I've had that <laughs> oh, plenty that. Yeah, um, you're like, oh, so this is why I do what I yeah, do. Yeah, I was going to say, you've gone against yourself there. <laughs> yeah, I bought the bullshit. Um, oh, that's so funny. I love yeah, that. So no, we, that's super interesting. Yeah, um, so I set the count up and then once you got that, you're good to go. And then I and then what's really helpful, and I would suggest this to anybody who wants to do this, is this I paid a monthly fee to um my my accountant and they just monitored things. They've provided like a platform where it just keeps track of like how much money you can 
withdrawal from the from the business, like the, the business account versus how much you need to like hold there to pay a big tax bill at the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, how much you paid out in dividends, how much you're paying out your um your monthly salary, and all all those those accountancy bits and pieces that are really important. And when you want to send invoices to um y- your clients or yeah whoever's employed you for the work, um so I paid I think a hundred quid a month, and it bit, it does sound a bit like a lot of money, but with freelancing it still winds up more for me anyhow it still wound up more money in my pocket than if i was still full-time employed mm. i pay even paying for this monthly fee and doing these other bits and pieces so it was beneficial yeah. but and some people might get a bit daunted by paying for oh, 100 quid for you know a month for it but it's it is worth it because come tax time and just monthly too you know just keeping how much can i actually take am i, am I you, know, yeah. you don't want to over and take all this money you got this next minute next April, you get a bill for £9,000 to pay HMRC. And I think as well, like if you're moving countries and you're setting yourself up, like the last thing you want to do is have to try to work out a brand new tax system and like try to find your way and then make a mistake. And then, yeah, like like you say, then have HMRC like calling you up being like, oh, like you did this wrong. So it's just a peace of mind. Definitely. They're they're helpful and and they give you a few tips too. And and it's worth doing your own uh, homework on on just the tax regulations. It's all fairly basic. They follow the same fundamental rules as they have in Australia, but um, obviously different breaks and different Different percentages. Yeah. That's super Um, interesting. I feel like I've not ever met an an Australian expat yet that actually has done freelancing and set up a company on the youth mob visa. so that's super interesting to learn about thank you for sharing that and I actually I didn't think I learned anything new about you this podcast on but I actually didn't know about that process so there you go oh he's actually a smart cookie Lauren (laughs) I see where the brains went (laughs) 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 right (laughs) all right so shall we move on to the next one um have a bit more Um, fun All right, so moving on, we have we're going to a bit more of a fun question before we get on to more other serious-ish questions. Um, but what did you find are your most noticeable cultural differences between the UK and Australia? Because obviously there are a lot, but we are very similar, but there are a lot, and we always complain about them and talk about them. So what are your most noticeable ones? Uh, cultural differences. Um... I think Australians are definitely more relaxed and you get, I don't know if, how you guys have, have felt over there, but um, it's something that people do compliment you. Well, I don't know if they compliment, I don't know if they mean it as a compliment. But, <laughs> but, um, they certainly, I think, admire how relaxed Australians are. Um, and what else? I think what I do admire a lot from the UK and what my friends uh, that I have over there and people I met, um, they do make the most of uh, good weather. I think that's yes. something we yes. take for granted um, in Australia. That's we, such a we, good one. That is such a good one. It's so true. I mean, look, we were just talking about yesterday. It was like the first day of, it was 16 degrees, but that was hot for us and everyone was out. It was just, you make, you're more grateful for it, I think. Yeah. And I think, I think also too, what else do they culture? They're, they're, they're more, tr- they're honed in on their traditions in the UK. I think in mm. Australia we have, but they're so good at it there. They, you know, it's Sunday roast and um, Best. Know, pine mind after work or just these little sort of nuances in the kind of the, the country and, and, and the city of London um, that, that are quite nice culturally but I think we're very similar that's probably why we get that's why everyone does it they're like <laughs> I suppose so many Australians go there and so many British come over here um, yeah. it's very easy transition 
I know yeah. one that we've talked about before in the past is like going back to like office ones. It's like the fact that Australians are so hard, like we're laid back, but we are like hardworking and they do love that yeah. about Aussie workers. And the fact that like, if something happens, we just kind of crack on and get on with it. But the Brits are just like, oh, I'm so stressed. I've got so much to do. I'm going to go make a cup of tea. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go have a pint. Yeah, yeah. It, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I think probably they have a, the Brits love a moan too. They love a good moan. I think it's part of their coping mechanism. I think that's probably argue that Australians love a moan too. Um, I was going to say, I moan a lot. <laughs> but maybe it's because I live with Brit and I spend a lot of time with Brits and it's just rubbing off on me now. Who knows? That's it. Just like the accent, Anna. Shut up. Shut up. It's every time I speak to Lauren, it goes back to normal. It'll be yeah. fine yeah. once I once I hang out with Aussies again. It will just bounce right back. Well, yeah, Anna, I didn't think I didn't actually think I lost my accent that much when I and I obviously haven't. But I remember when I was doing quarantine with Tom, and he would just be like, "Why are you saying that? Like, why are you saying this with a false British accent?" And I was like, "I'm not trying to do this. It just happened." You know, yeah. it's well. I mean, yeah. obviously, accent derives from like that drunken Cockney accent. So I I actually find that. Because Tom as well, my boyfriend, he's um, from Essex. So whenever I'm with his family and him, it's just easy to fall into it because that's how accents come from. If it was someone from like Chelsea, Wandsworth or like someone up north or whatever, who's got more of a posh accent or a northern accent, I think that would be more difficult to fall into. But that Essex, like East London, North London accent. It's Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What a great show. I love Gavin and Stacey. What a show. I think think it's natural. Like the more you're around, the way you hear words. And I remember I had one all the time. I used to get people mocked me a lot about it. It was um, Data. Oh, my God. Yes. I get this still all the time. I'd be be in meetings and presentations. And I would, you know, one project we were talking about Data a lot. And it kept coming up, and I used to feel probably got a month in. I was like, "Do I do I change now?" Like they, they every time because every time I say it, they they always re, they'll always react. They will not like every you know, time. Yeah, every the joke time. has gone too far. You're like, "Yeah, we got it, guys." I know I say it differently. Or even um, if you I say it, bring and, myself, say yeah. data. Like, no, yeah. it doesn't. I find that when I say it now in meetings, because obviously it's all virtual at the moment, they used to make fun of me all the time, but now they do sometimes. But actually, every time I say it, if they don't make fun of me with their words, it's like you can feel everyone go, like the tension, like they just, like they clench, like they're like, hee <laughs> like, or we won't say anything, but lol, we just know you said data, or like water is another one. Water, yeah. Um, Chips. Water. Yeah, water. Chips. And, they, and they go, data, data. And they're like, shut yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not changing for you. <laughs> I have some data. I'm like, no, I can't have it. Data. I can't do it. It's American. Nah. It sounds American to me. Yeah. So our next one is, um, and actually I'm going to, I'm actually super interested in this one because of, especially because of lockdown and COVID and all that kind of stuff. And like, obviously you're back in Australia now. So how have you found that transition of being in the UK, actually leaving what mid first lockdown when it was really strict and no one was seeing anybody to then going into quarantine at home in Brisbane to then going out and like all of a sudden you can just go and see people and do things. And you've also just moved back home and like, you've just spent two years in the UK. Like, I just feel like that would have been crazy. So yeah. Tell, how have you dealt with that? <laughs> tell me more. Yeah, the, first, the first few months were a bit of an adjustment. I think initially when I first got back to Brisbane, it was, it was um, 
because you get a bit of Stockholm syndrome. I think everybody in, you know, in Trevor and you guys in lockdown. Yeah. Um, you want to get comfortable with your surroundings, and you you had everyone develops a routine. Yeah, I know it's true for the first lockdown in London. There's a you had there's a routine, a rhythm to your week and your months, and to deal with it. So how you need to kind of give give it structure to, to help you, you know, mentally and sort of get through it. Um, so when it comes back to Brisbane, where everything's totally like, it's dead set normal. Um, there's not, there's nothing's changed. Uh, it was. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bizarre. You know, no one talks about it. There's no, um, you know, there's no precautions. No one really social distance, handshakes galore. Um, oh, my God, that like, would have been just like, so did that just make you squirm inside when people, when you saw people... Yeah. Yeah. At first, you're like, um, "This is a bit strange." Like going into a supermarket without having to line up. <laughs> yeah, like just little things, which is you know, it's great. It's not strange. It's great. But um, it was just an adjustment, I suppose. And I think you know, after doing the two weeks in hotel quarantine by yourself, and then jumping out into you know, going to a pub and surrounded by people and your friends, and it's like, at times you feel like I just want to get home, or you know. I got when I first arrived back. I noticed that I wasn't like in this for me. I'd love to, I kind of like I like going out to do things and whatnot. But if I didn't have to, I wouldn't force myself to leave. I'd be like, oh no, I can do it another day. Otherwise, but before I would normally go, I'll just I'll go do it now. But you sort of get comfy around home and you don't particularly want to leave. But then that sort of brushed off after a month or two, and you get the rhythm and enjoy being back and seeing your friends and living a life as we always have prior to COVID. Um, yeah, and then otherwise it's been really nice being back in Brisbane. I I don't think there's probably I think it's probably one of the best cities in the world to be in the last year. Yeah, one hundred percent. So there's been obviously you know it's 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 a hard one because you know having a girlfriend and family and friends and things in the UK, 
and, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about trying to you know, plan your next next moves and all that sort of thing. But um, all in all, it's been nice being home. And, um, yeah, it's it's normal life. So I, it's really hard to complain. Australia's done you know, a good job, whether you agree with all their measures or not. But <laughs> life's normal. And you know, day to day, it's nothing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed being back. That's so good. Yeah. It's like, I find it's going to be quite interesting. And I think a lot of expats feel, because obviously you build a life here. So all of a yeah. sudden you you go from having one life in Brisbane to then coming to the UK and then having two lives, but then never, act, you don't actually think about the fact that you'll never not have that second life. You'll always have it. And you have family and friends over here and things like that. And nice. um, yeah, you just got to deal with it. Don't you after that? Yeah. And it's nice. It's nice though. Like having mm. it's sort of like a nice, um, like a bit of a, nice problem to have you know sort of split lives of friends and families scattered around the world it's quite like you know you always sort of be floating between the places you'd like to think moving forward which is you know a lucky problem to have um yeah it's been really good i've enjoyed being back i think it also goes back to that thing of like like even i found and when i think about going back to australia eventually it's i've met so many new people overseas that are aussies and like Kiwis. Mm. So I know that mm. when I go back, it's like I'll have my regular friends, but I'll also have these like new friends that I built a closeness with in the UK that became like close to family in the UK. But I know that they're there in Australia now. So it's, I guess it is, you do have those weird like comforts from your time overseas. And then you like, you know that I guess you can kind of have it back, like yeah. Yeah. back eventually. It's an experience to like, you've done it and lived it and like for you guys as friends you'll know that you'll forever now be able to relate to it whereas people who haven't done it there's 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 an element where they don't you know they'll you'll notice that when you come back people will just ask you oh how was it and then you go yeah it's great and like oh good stuff like they don't care because they don't and, and they just move on and the conversation just moves on real quick because it's, they just don't care because they've not lived it it's not an interest to them like you're back now nothing's changed it's like you're still they still you're still friends but they got no interest in what what it's like over there because like. um yeah. it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to see you, you know conversation moves on and you just talk about what's happening now or a topic that relates between the two of you but um people who haven't done it often yeah it's, it's a hard one that's why you always kind of maintain those friendships with people you met wherever you live abroad whether it's you know in london or wherever you do your your sort of years abroad away from yeah. home it's so interesting. I, I feel like people at home who haven't actually lived the expat life, it's like, and I remember being prior to moving here and I had a friend that lived here for two years before she moved back. And I always thought about her time in London. You kind of, you know how they say traveling changes your perspective and you get out of the bubble and like you're just, your whole mind is just open to all these new different things. And I feel like if you don't do it, you kind of just see London as like the red buses and the Queen and Buckingham yeah. Palace. And that's and then that's I just right. imagined my friends there just like at, on those streets every day, not in like the derelict streets of wherever you were in Dude. London. Yeah. Or like, you know, the really hard days, you know, it's like people forget that because time goes so quickly, but people forget that you're here all day, every day, 24 hours yeah. a day. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So you I think it's also... Bad. It's also harder to talk to those people when you are over here. That's why you kind of like, even though yeah. you have your best friends, but you don't. And I think when you move over here, you do think, oh, I'm going to like try to make an effort and talk to you like regularly. But it just kind of fizzles out because it, you, it's hard to talk to people who don't share the experience that you have or like you're living your day to day and they're living their day to day. And it's just, they don't understand if you're telling them a story about what something that happened to you, 
they don't have any context about mm. what is happening to you. Like, cause they're like, I have no idea what that area is or what the significance of that area is. Yeah. And I think, you know, you'll have, yeah, it, it is, you, you make new friends and you stay in touch with your, your obviously friends back home and things. And, and that, that is what the, the true friendships always will hold through. Yeah. That um, um, yeah. And, and I just think, yeah, it's just one of, it's nice to, it's nice to have those friends you can always link back to talk about your time abroad or wherever it was. Do you ever feel like you wish that you stayed in the UK? You do initially, you do initially think that, but then I, you know, this, this is a really unique sort of year. Um, yeah. So, you know, probably yes in, in, in normal, in the normal sense, but no in the timing that it, like the past year, because I, you know, if I was still extending, extending a London visa, it doesn't look like you know, it hasn't been a great year. I've managed to come back home and spend time with friends and family and live a not really normal life. Brisbane hasn't, it hasn't changed a little bit to be honest like there's a lot of things i knew things i hadn't seen since i'd been away which is quite nice um but yeah this year's a unique case i think it i i, I think i will I, I probably will go back at some point it's a great like once the world's normal again um but i'm glad i'm glad i came back when i did i think the timing was right um yeah it's it, it, different 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 conversation perhaps if we didn't have COVID nineteen. Yeah, um, so it would be a hard place to leave, particularly on the on the cusp of a summertime in the UK. Yeah, um, which is yeah often tough to leave. Cool. And then, yeah, I guess moving on from that. So, what is now that you left the UK? What is something you miss the most about the UK and being in the UK? Um, I, mean, I miss the most. I. I I miss, I miss Aside from me, obviously. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, miss, I, miss, I miss the football. Um, Who's your team? Who's your team? Manchester United. Oh, um, I feel like that's a classic. It, I feel like in Brisbane, it's always Manchester United or Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. Big dogs. Um, so that, that's my team. Um, but not that it would have made, you know, I, I, I enjoyed going to a lot of matches when I was living over there. But that, you know, it's been allowed to go to a game for about a year now. So. Yeah, I think yeah. as well with sport in the UK, it's like even if you don't go to a stadium game, it's the fact that like if any type of sport is on, it's like you can go to the pub and it's just going to be just as exciting. Like you can have yeah. just an exciting experience yeah, in the yeah. pubs or in like any outdoor like viewing ground, whatever, wherever they yeah. are, especially in summer. Yeah, that's certainly one thing I miss. I just love, you know, part of the reason I wanted to live over there before I moved over is because I'm just a football fan, they they live and breathe it, and I just love you know the news or chatter around it, and you can talk to people at work about it. Like it's very oh. hard sometimes in Australia to talk to people who um enjoy it and just you know like at work in work setting and things. Obviously, even some friends like most of my friends don't follow it as avidly as I do. So I enjoyed that, that sense, um, and obviously I don't know just being close to it, what I miss most. It's so as I said before, like in the epicenter of the world, everything's so accessible. Um, yeah, you can jump on a flight and you're in Rome in an hour, and take a couple of hours. You know, you can get to Paris in a, on a train. It's just it's just brilliant, and that's really addicting and it's exciting. Um, I think it's in your twenties and thirties, even like it doesn't really matter when. It's just a it's a brilliant city to be be in. I think every if you everyone should give it a crack at some point. I totally agree. I I think Lauren and I said this, and we were like coming up with the concept of the podcast and saying that it's like a rite of passage 
it's just, it's, you know, it, it seems like such a big deal before you move. It seems like, oh my God, how am I going to move overseas? But actually yeah. once you get here, you realize, oh fuck, that was easy. Like, like do you know what I mean? Like yeah. what, now I'm here. It's just feels normal being paid, having a job, living completely yeah. normal. Yeah. And once you yeah. do set yourself up and like, I feel like as soon as you find like a flat and then you have like, you find a job and once you kind of set yourself up properly, it is just, it's easy as like, mm. it's a good time. It's a really good yeah. time. Yeah, and you find your friends and you find a rhythm to the city. Because I think that's the biggest adjustment too when you first move to a big city like London. I'm sure every city in New York would be the same and Paris and all these big cities and Tokyo and everything. I think all these big cities of the world would be the same. But it is coming from, a, if you come from a smaller city too, it's a, you really notice it, you know, um, you're, you're with patience, with public transport, and just navigating yourself oh around. God. Having your bearings and just, I think, just having your general bearings about you, um, and just always kind of being observant what's going on and train stations and some like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an adjustment. It's a, I think it takes you probably about a year to get into like a rhythm yeah. of the city of London. Or I, I certainly felt probably it was about a year when you start feeling really comfortable and you could really navigate confidently around. Like, not saying you weren't confident, but you know, you have you have a bit of swagger about you when you because you, you know everything was yeah. or go here that's the shortcut you kind of learn little hacks of the city totally agree totally agree mm. that's such a good point I think yeah it's, I mean even though I spent my year anniversary in lockdown it's still <laughs> it's still the same like you know and yeah that's so so true I think you you find a lot of resilience living in a big city and it just it's it does take a while to adjust to a place like London like <laughs> navigating the yeah. navigating the northern line at 8 a.m <laughs> in the morning Monday to Friday honestly teaches you more lessons than any other event yeah. in your life it's seriously like and then you become a pro and then you're like I've got this every day I don't think I ever became a pro in the time that I had to do it I'm so glad I live near a DLR station now and I like once we get back into the commute hopefully it'll be a nicer experience on the northern line because i think commute to a change forever too like i don't i'd be quite i'd be surprised if those you know those 8 a.m monday morning sardine tinned in the northern line will i'm sure they will come back at some point but it's gonna take a while for that i can't picture it i can't even imagine that sort of sardine yeah sardine tin like that until when i think about it as well when i think about it as well like i think back to beginning of march and like we were kind of, we heard about COVID, but we, it wasn't really like a no big thing. Seen, so. yeah. And it was like probably like a week, the week before lockdown hit and like everyone was working from home and I was still going to the like work every day in a sardine tin. Like it was just, and I just think about it now, it just gives me the chills and I'm just like, oh my God, so gross. <laughs> it, was, it was those moments I think out of the whole time I was in the UK was those morning where it was, you know, 8 a.m., whatever it might be, and you're, you're sardine tin on the tube going into central London, wherever you, wherever, wherever you live, often they're all packed or delayed. And um, that's probably the moment where I was like, this is, I miss, I miss Australia. Like, yes. That's yes. when it, probably the moment where I'm like, this is not a way, this is not a good way to start a day any day of the week. Yes. I'd, rather be, I'd rather be in traffic on the Pacific motorway in my own car. Genuinely. <laughs> I genuinely agree. I think that, uh, and I still look back now and I, I, I think, out of all the things that you have to deal with, it might seem so small for someone that hasn't experienced the sardine tin every day, Monday every to Friday, day. 8 a.m., but it is the worst part about London. It's, oh, I used to get anxiety Going to just stressed. getting on that, like stressed yeah. people. And then, because you get yeah. off it as well, because I always get off at bank, number one, then you have to navigate bank station. Oh God. And then, <laughs> and then when you had to come back on the tube in the afternoon, I'd have to wait in line to tap on. There was that many people waiting to get on the tube. Yeah. 
and then um you navigate bank station and then you have to basically fast pace walk to your office because everyone's at the same pace and if you walk too slow they get annoyed at you you get hit on the shoulders it's honestly traumatic getting to work every day is a traumatic experience but then again but then again like I always the way I always thought about it was I you know catching the tube every day and like it is really annoying especially like in that circumstance but then you do also love the tube network when you, oh, yeah. like, especially in London, like when you don't have a car in the city, it is, you don't have to think twice about like getting home from a night out or like, you know, doing like getting around on a weekend or just trying to get around the mass of the city. Like the fact that I can be on the other end of London in like half an hour from the yeah, tube network cool. is pretty remarkable when it, when it works when it works it's, it's <laughs> when it it's, works it's great when, yeah when, when it works is amazing when it when it doesn't is infuriating when it's not 8 a.m in the morning it's great <laughs> yeah or just delays on a weekend and all they yes. decided not to, decided just to shut the rail yeah and you have especially southwestern rail i remember when i first moved to london and my boss said to me he was sort of giving me advice and he said wherever you end up wanting to live like deciding to live or yeah wherever you end up make sure there's always two ways that you can get to where you yeah. need to go whether that's bus whether that's train overground whatever it is always needs to be two options otherwise you're you're screwed, you're screwed. Yeah, no, it's, you're it's, screwed. Good, it's a good advice because um i certainly noticed that um when i was when i first lived in dalston and when i then when i went to east dulwich good good spots to live i really enjoyed it but um only having sort of one option yeah. To me, started really to get anywhere, and I was on like a, I wasn't on a tube line, which is for those listening who don't know, that is like a bit slower. You don't have, they're not as frequent. Um, so unreliable, the overgrounds. Yeah, a bit, bit um, unreliable. Um, so it's a bit annoying. So that, that was, that, that kind of left you a bit, it, it did stitch you up sometimes, and you might have to walk to Peckham or catch a bus and whatever it might be. Whereas Putney was really well done because it always had like the district line, and that's the green line. Mm. Uh, often you know it gets it, people take the piss out of it a lot because it's quite slow and clunky and old but it actually it always runs and it's to be honest it gets it always gets just you know it'll get you somewhere yeah and exactly it's, it's a great backup i really is great having that there as an option as well as the southwestern you know, yeah, yeah. i think the district line's great i think it's oh, like well, it yeah. honestly stops everywhere the district line i was skeptical, like, I was skeptical about it before i was like, absolutely yeah it saves me yeah. so many times there are worse long. i think there are worse lines than the district line for sure especially what a relaxing, as, what a relaxing line i find i know <laughs> you can like, and you can be That's on your great. phone you're not underground you're like okay. above ground it's quite nice so um what so what have you loved the most or what did you love the most about being an expat in general um i think everything everything is exciting everything is exciting i think you know it's all new and you know even just going to bloody waitrose or sainsbury's is quite fun and exciting because it's just different <laughs> like everything's you just everything's kind of paint. yeah everything's got this rose tinted on it it's, it's lovely you know you, you i think that's probably probably it as being an expert i don't think yeah i think it's probably everything's everything you found fast it was fun and exciting and new and um up, you're kind of up for everything yeah i think that's probably easiest way to sum it up so true also to carry on from our last week's episode we talked about supermarket chains and meal deals so like what what is your favorite supermarket chain i feel like i already know Um, the answer yeah probably i live near waitrose i thought they were great me too i live near waitrose and everyone makes fun of me but it's so good Funny the supermarket sort of wars over here between you know you're that type of person they kind of (laughs) 
That's what we said last week. Categorizing based on where you shop, you know, oh, waitrose, eh? Watch yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tori. <laughs> What's your favorite? Yeah. What's your favorite meal deal combo? I don't even know if you did a meal deal combo. I used to get a couple. Um, I don't know. I used to, I used to muck around. What is that? Ham and. No, it didn't like a chicken stuffing and then salt and chips. Chicken stuffing water. is so good. I forgot about chicken stuffing. They used to do all the Christmas. Then there wasn't a Christmas. They used to do Christmas. Oh, the Christmas the, dinner like sandwiches. The turkey oh, cranberry good. ones. Pret has a really good one. Oh, I miss Pret. Yeah, Pret's Pret, good. I have no idea why Pret has never come to Australia. I, I know. Like, they have it in New York. I always wonder why that was never in Australia. I think that would go nuts. People it would. To be fair, I don't know why meal deals aren't in Australia. Like, they are. Well, they actually are now. Coles are they? Woolies. Are you serious? Coles and Woolies got the old Triangle Sangers and what else? Um, but do they have the deals? But because I know they, they, te- I know they in the past oh, they have sold the sandwiches. Yeah, because that's yeah, that's what that's what makes it. You know, the fact that you can go in there and get lunch for three pounds. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they do that, but they they never had sandwiches. Like Brits have been doing Sangers for like that for. Decades. We we've only jumped on board about the last couple of years. I was gonna uh, say we we I remember like being at work in Australia and going I worked at Carindale. So, yeah. Uh good old Cassidy. Um <laughs> and just needing lunch. Like you don't want to pay a million dollars to go to the food court. And it, like every time I'd go to Coles or Woolies, there would just never be anything pre-made. Mm-hmm. Like I would buy a hot chook, mm-hmm. I would buy like one of those mixed salads and Rolls. some bread and just yeah, and just yeah. make my own. I'm like, why can't this just be done for me? That yeah. was literally the cheapest lunch you could get in Australia as well, because otherwise you're paying. A couple of sushi rolls. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god, how good are those sushi rolls? So otherwise, good. it was a minimum of ten dollars at a local at a cafe for a sandwich, like a panini. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. Maybe because they have so many cafes here, maybe that kind of. But I think I still think there's a market for pret. Like in the, you know, I reckon they do all right. Obviously, I still so agree. We like we like sort of healthy, fresh foods. You know. That's, so what um so moving on so what is your one I guess one piece of advice that you wish someone had told you about moving overseas? Uh, just just go for it, I suppose. Maybe push. Not that I don't regret. Not, not that I regret when I, going when I did. Um, but you know, I am denied about it for a few years. I'm sure a lot of people do that as well. You know, um, like you did it quite young, Lauren, and you know, I, I probably I don't think I would have been. Ready to do that to that sort of age, um, but yeah, maybe just yeah, go for it if you second guess it. Yeah, worry about, and maybe just don't try to plan everything down to it. You have to get your visas and things sorted, obviously. But, um, it'll you'll work it out quite quickly, and you'll meet people who can help, or you can listen to this podcast and, can, and this will help. Um, <laughs> plug, plug, <I> did. plug. <laughs> just go for it. As much, you know, just do it. I think everybody. Not everybody will. Not everybody can afford to do that sort of thing. But if you have the opportunity to do it, um, go. Yeah, it's it's a really well worth experience. As you said before, Anna, it, it's a cliche, but it really does sort of broaden your mind. And um, yeah, you kind of you mature as a person, and and all sorts of things. I think you know, you learn to defend yourself, kind of get, get your bearing and look after yourself properly. Um, yeah, it's a good place. To, to and I think things. it is a good point, like when you say try not to overthink it or plan it, because I think it is something that you can only plan to a certain extent. And then you can't, yeah. there's only, you can't, like, for example, I know so many people, and even I was the same, like when I was applying for the process, I would be 
like looking for jobs while I was still in Brisbane, but it's just impossible. Like you, you can't, can't do it. No one's going to look at you until you're in the UK and like there's yeah. just no point. And because jobs move so quickly in London, especially. Yeah, it's hard just... to find unless you can line up unless jobs there like through a connection or something through through a connection or you know your employer has a base in London it can move through that way or yeah whatever it might be um yeah many of them yeah many of them will not bother because they don't know how committed you are like they go oh should we waste our time having an interview with this person or do we interview these three other people who live in the UK and there's more of a chance um they're they're, they're, they're ready to roll like no they're not and you might be you know, all legit and going to move over, but they, they might go, oh, they could just be playing us here and wasting our time. So always, yeah. often we're going to err on a side of caution in that sense. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, when you go, yeah, don't overthink of if you don't have a job lined up or whatever, you, you'll, it'll work, you'll work it out when you're on the you'll ground. I think that's the bit, like the biggest thing, takeaway is like, don't be scared because it does always work, your, work itself out. As long as you, I think I, I think if you set yourself up with enough funds to come over here, that's really important, yeah. and that'll take the yeah. edge off, and sure. and kind of have a plan in terms of accommodation when you first arrive with a friend or at an Airbnb or wherever it is. Just to sure. you need Get to yourself. be there. Yeah. Apart from that, like honestly, it always, always, always works itself out. There are so many rooms you can take. There, you coming to London, like you said, the epicenter of the world. There are so many jobs here. Even if you get a temporary job before moving into another job that you need, yeah. it's like they'll take Aussies anywhere. Aussies are in every mm. single pub in yeah. all of London. We have, like, we have a good reputation, and you know, mm. in a, even in professional sort of sector, definitely you, you, in the career, but also you know, you get a job at a pub or a cafe or anything like that. Really anything. simple. Yeah. All the cafes based off Australian cafes here. So you know, if you're an Australian, you want a job at making coffee, they'll give you a job. Um, yeah, and you know, I think you know you 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 might feel if you're applying to jobs when you're abroad or when you first arrive, you might hear not, not many people replying to you, and you might get knocked back. Like I wouldn't take it to heart. Keep keep going. I met with bloody uh, maybe close to a hundred people throughout my time in London. I just kept I just kept meeting with people all the time. You know, you just, you got to just just letting people know you're around. You know, whatever career you do, I did it more because I was freelancing, just keeping my options open, but just let people know, hey. How you doing? This what this is my situation. Just keeping people updated and like seeing what roles you got any jobs coming up, and just kind of playing recruiters to your advantage and, and yeah, and the little tricks. I mean, you kind of pick that up, but I think initially, yeah, get your visa sorted, make sure you got enough fun to look after yourself for maybe a couple of months, um, and then yeah, somewhere to stay, um, maybe the first week or two. You can, you might want to go traveling when you first arrive. Everyone's different, but yeah, yeah, definitely some bed for the first couple of nights. Yeah, no, that's really, really good advice. And I think applies for everyone. I think everyone who's here or overseas somewhere else would say the same. All right. And then this is our final question. And I think probably one of our favorite questions because we're always just so curious to know what people say for this. But if your hometown was a food, if Brisbane, Queensland, Australia was a food, what food would it be? Or a meal. Or a meal. Food or a meal? And uh, why? It has to have a reason. You can't yeah, just say give something. Yeah, it has to have a good reason. Uh, I'd say Brisbane would be a bacon and egg roll. What? <laughs> Tell me more. Let's uh, go. Let's go. <laughs> because they like the morning. We're a very morning-orientated city, Brisbane. Everyone's up mm. very early here. They don't like late nights. Um, so Probably like why I struggled up. in Brisbane. Like <laughs> so early. 
everyone, everyone sort of sees the day here. And then, um, and then, so yeah, breakfast food, obviously. And then there's something sort of, everybody loves it. I don't know many people who don't like a bacon and egg roll and it's just something sort of humble and um, no airs or graces about it. And you can make them really fancy and you can make them really quick and easy. And I think, you know, that's sort of come, Brisbane's a place like that. It's very relaxed and um, there's no airs or graces sort of city. It's, you know, what you see is what you get and people are very friendly and very approachable. And that's what yeah, I think. Do you think bacon and egg rolls are? I don't, you know, I think everyone likes them. I think most people, Brisbane's pretty... All the people from Brisbane are pretty get along with a lot of people from all other parts of the world. Yeah, that's such yeah. a good answer. Oh my god, I loved that so much. Well, that's all the questions that we have. Thank you yeah. so much for doing this. I've I have actually found this so so interesting, um, especially well, stuff about freelancing and all that kind of thing. It's been really really well, good. I hope other people have found it interesting as well. I'm sure they will. I hope. Yeah, I'm glad. Thanks for having me on, and yeah, glad you found it interesting. Cheers, mate. Cheers, big oh. ears. Thanks for letting me rope you into it. No problems. Well, that is episode three. I hope you all enjoyed it. And thank you to Tom for sharing all his advice with us. It was very much appreciated. If you want to find us, you can find us on our Instagram at Don't Mock My Accent. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or you'd like us to cover any topics in future episodes, just let us know. Thank you so much. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.